0: It's week two of the Montana Mint Sports Podcast. We look back at week one of FCS play and how amazing it was. We do our first and ten. We look at the Grizz win at South Dakota, their upcoming game against North Alabama. We have Greg Rakoc on board to talk about Montana State's game against Texas Tech and what to expect this week against Southeast Missouri State. Montana Parlay comes on for your gambling picks. We go around the big sky, and then we do our watch party. Let's go. back we just had our first week of football how amazing did that feel bear tycoon it is it was so fun to have all these games on
1: 12 big sky teams were playing this weekend having to track down the games between pluto and espn plus tracking all the scores on my phone two thursday night games what more could we have asked for it
0: you couldn't have asked awesome. for anything else um you actually forgot one medium that i took in football Oh, on Saturday, how, oh, Facebook Live? No, even better. Okay, a really weird Reddit substream stream that had like anime pornography on the side. <laughs> was that for the cat game? It was. Yes, I could not get Root Sports. I could not get any trial on AT T or Direct TV that could get me Root Sports or Audience or anything like that. So I had to. I had to go into the dark web and get onto those Reddit substreams. I found a college football stream, and uh, it actually came through pretty well. I Chromecasted it to the TV, had a few beers, and it actually worked out. But it, it's just not a good look when you have to start going onto Reddit to be able to watch your favorite team in 2019.
1: Yeah, no, it's a it is a bad look. So between us, we watched. I did Pluto for a couple games. Facebook Live Pluto for, for the, Yep. For the Weber State games, I. Have a ESPN Plus subscription now, so I can yep. watch that Grizz game. Uh, you had Reddit, so that's at least four mediums we use to watch the games. But I don't care. It's almost like a treasure hunt to start to start the day on Saturday, True. trying to figure True, out where the games are.
0: You're right. It felt good to find that link. Um, yeah, because I was I was on Reddit, and they started the thread about 45 minutes before each game, and I was still freaking out. It was like an hour before the Cats game, and I was still freaking out that they just wouldn't have it. Uh, I got it, I tested it, it worked, and my day was made from there. Yep, it was perfect. So so it was fun. Uh, looking at last week's game, just kind of a, a quick hit, uh, what stood out to you when you looked at that full slate of games? Was there any one or two things that stood out to you um, You know, as we kicked off the season?
1: Yeah, I mean, we can get into kind of more specifics later on, um, but... Overall, you know, I don't think there was any huge surprises from the top tier big sky schools, kind of that top three um, out of those three Weber Eastern and Cal Poly. I think that, you know, I'm not going to take too much stock in, in any of those losses, but I do think one thing that we can focus in on is how good Weber State's defense looked. Uh, you know, yeah. granted they lost, but holding an FBS school, even if it's San Diego State, holding an FBS school or any school for that matter to six points is impressive.
0: I agree, yeah. It's um, like you said, you kind of hit on the head. Like even a D2 school coming into play, if you shut them out or hold them to two field goals, you're probably going to be pretty, feeling pretty good about the defense. So, yeah, when you hold an FCS or an FBS school to uh, six points, you got to be feeling good. Um, we've talked about it uh, on our uh, previous podcast, the Big Sky Big Takes, was that Portland State, only seven points behind Arkansas. Yeah. I don't think this makes Portland State a contender by any means. But when you can even get that close to a two-win SEC team, you got to feel like that was a pretty productive weekend for Portland State. But once again, they'll fade back into mediocrity or even just fade away. And we won't even remember them until one of our team plays them, I guess. And I don't even think the Cats play them this year. But that was kind of a cool thing to say. But uh, I don't think you could have missed the Idaho-Penn State score. Yeah, no. 79-7, Seventy-nine nope. to seven, Penn State put a beat down on the Vandals. But it was widely reported and widely known that Idaho was getting one point four million dollars from that game. Yeah,
1: so you're stealing one of my first and tens, but oh, I apologize. Yeah, one point four. So we'll skip. Right, Jerry, mark it down. We're gonna skip my fourth out of the first and ten. But this was it was. So oh. your fourth down, or is that uh, your... my fourth? Yeah, my fourth in the in the first and ten, it, it's pretty self-evident. Um, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, we as mostly me last week, you know, screwed up off like talking about why did Penn State pay this much money? Uh, uh, one of the guys from Tubs at the club explained it to us, explained it to our dumb rock brains um, that this this occurred, this agreement occurred when Idaho was an FBS school, and obviously you're paying a shitty fbs school to come play you if you're someone like penn state because fbs wins are more valuable than fcs wins so mm-hmm. math made sense once it was explained to me but it took
0: a solid took two a weeks while.
1: before i could track down that answer
0: yeah i agree and um man uh, 79 to 7 though i mean i i was talking to people that don't even pay that much attention to the big sky and they noticed that one but like we said most people probably forget the idaho is in the Big Sky, so wasn't a massive hit to our conference's ego, I don't think. Yeah, no, that's right. But we have uh, three, three FCS FBA, FBS FCS, Jesus games this week. Uh, we'll touch on a little more when we go around the Big Sky, but we do have Sac State at Arizona State. That one is a six hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar payday to Sac State. We have Northern Colorado going to Pullman to play the Washington State Cougars. That's a five hundred thousand dollar game. And then I couldn't find the payout for this one, but NAU is going down to U of A, U of Arizona to play them. Couldn't find it, but those are our three FCS, FBS matchups in the big sky this week.
1: Nice, i so will have to track down our boy Casey, uh, see if he has has that answer.
0: It wasn't on his article, so I was a little disappointed, but if you ever want to see it, you go to fcsfansnation.com. He has an article on there about the uh, body bag games, and he has most of them listed out, the top 25 payouts uh, when the FBS plays the FCS this year, so it's a pretty good, pretty good article there that we got a lot of our information on when it came to those those payoff games. Yep. All right, so we're gonna get right into our first and ten. Yeah. After we just did all that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Why well, you go first? You're gonna go first.
0: No, I went first last week. Okay.
1: All right. So my first one, you know, we're gonna try to tighten this up a bit this week. So. Uh, I don't need any Try. Try uh, is the of commentary word. from you, but I'm gonna label well, this
0: first it's hard to do
1: my first of the first and ten. Uh, just saying. Uh, just saying, Nate, the I don't like how this is starting. The big sky conference record for passing yards in a year in a year. Gage who brewed? Gabrewed, gabrood uh, of Eastern Washington.
0: Five thousand yes, one
1: hundred and sixty yards. Dalton Sneed on pace for five thousand one hundred and twenty four yards. So not saying he's gonna do it. Just saying kinda sounded like factors. you said he's gonna do it. Also, just just uh just to flag, top Grizz uh record holder for a season, Dave Dickinson at forty one hundred. Uh so Dalton Sneed in pretty good company. Do you do you want him to break Dave Dickinson's record? I don't have an opinion. I'm just I'm just saying this is the math.
0: No, but do you want stands. to? If you were a Grizz fan, would you want him to break like Dave Dickinson's the god in Missoula. Yeah. Let him break okay. it. I don't care. Let him break it. Yeah. Okay. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Let's win some championships. <laughs> so uh, my first down in the first and 10. So we just talked about the play up games, the FCS, FBS. This week, four FCS Big Sky Conference games where they're playing down to a Division two teams. I think that's super lame, boring. I, I'm so glad Montana State or Montana is not doing that this year. Yeah. But We have a couple teams that doubled up. So we have Eastern Washington played up at Washington last week, but now they're playing down uh, to Lindenwood this week.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We have Portland State played up to Arkansas. Now they're playing down to Simon Fraser out of Canada. Oh, yeah. I have some thoughts on Simon Fraser. I I bet you do. Central Washington playing Idaho after Idaho's ass kicking. So Idaho played up. Now they're playing down. And then uh, we do have—that's all of them for this week. Oh, Western Colorado, Idaho State, and who—I mean, Idaho State got that by last week. But a pretty lame slate of four D two games this week, and we don't get to tell anything about Portland State, Eastern Washington, Sac State, any of these teams.
1: Yeah, no, I, this is the worst part of the non-conference schedule. Um, when when we have these down, I, I just I, I like what the cats and Grizz are doing, you know, the Grizz definitely, I like all their FCS games and it's like, you can criticize them Oh, Like Monmouth's not, not that tough. Well, they're still FCS, right? Like this is
0: that FCS win. It
1: counts as an FCS win and it's not a division two game. So, you know, there's a range of quality in the FCS. You don't play only the top FCS teams. You play FCS teams. And that's what the Grizz are doing. I like it. I like what the cats are doing. Hats off to them.
0: Yeah. Uh It's on me. your turn again. On me. All right, so this is
1: is number two
0: for me, number
1: three overall. Uh, Speaking of the uh, Big Sky Big Takes, uh, episode posted last night, part of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And for my second one, uh, it's – did we just find a Sacramento State fan? Because we posted on the uh, Big Sky Podcast Network Twitter page and updated power rankings, and out of nowhere – a fan page set up for Sacramento State uh, took was not pleased with however the Hornets did. It We've been searching for years for Sacramento State fans. Literally years. We finally <laughs> did it, and he came out of nowhere. So hats off to you, Sac State fan.
0: And I do know a couple. I know a guy that played for Sac State, and he doesn't even care about the Hornets. Yeah, it is. So that sh- that just kind rough. of shows you the following in Northern California for the uh the poor sac state hornets especially with UC Davis just down the interstate you know killing the game right now yeah
1: yeah not to brag that you know a sac state player
0: yeah you know i knew a couple of football players it's pretty no no big deal <laughs> but so i go i'll go to my number 2 now uh just talking a little bit about north alabama the lions who are coming to washington grizzly this weekend just wanted to talk a little bit about their success they did have in D2 so they've been up Uh, Since 2018, they were an FCS independent last year, and obviously they're playing their second year in the FCS this year. But back uh, between 2017 and 2009, they won five conference championships. That's five conference championships in eight years in the Gulf South Conference. So if you're a Grizz fan, you probably should be pretty scared this week. A D2 power is coming to your house. Um, They did win last week. It was a pretty impressive win over Northern Illinois, a directional Illinois school. And uh, but yeah, they they're second year up uh, as an FCS squad. Uh, they're a pretty heavy underdog right now coming into Washington Grizzly. But they, just a little tidbit about how much success they did have uh, back down in the Division Two ranks, where they actually made the national championship game in 2016, where they lost to everybody's favorite D two school, Northwest of Missouri State.
1: Yeah, well, my favorite D two school is is Simon Fraser.
0: Oh, that's right. We'll Mine was not, that. You know, my my. Favorite D2 school is Colorado School of Mines. Because <laughs> they produced Bob Stitt? 100%, because they produced Bob Stitt. Yeah. And a whole host of uh, expectations at Montana that obviously were fruitless. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, on uh, North Alabama, they beat Western Illinois. Um, and Direction Illinois. Direction Illinois. They had and they did a good game. They passed uh, for almost 300 yards on them. Uh, they won by... Yeah, more than a touchdown. 26-17 is a pretty decisive game. I, I, the Grizz are favored by more than three touchdowns going into into this game. I think they should obviously be favored, but I, I think three touchdowns is ridiculous. I would not. I, I think North Alabama is not a terrible football team. We'll see how they uh, respond to Washington Grizzly Stadium, but it, it, I don't have any data to back this up, but anecdotally it feels like we overrate the effect of Washington Grizzly stadium on.
0: Uh, Whoa, smaller, is that a Grizz fan saying teams.
1: that? No, it's a great stadium. Ooh. It's the best atmosphere in the FCS, but I don't think that teams coming in are completely unprepared uh, for what the stadium has to offer.
0: So you also said, you also said the word an anse, anecdotally, anecdotally, How do you say that anecdotally, How many people do you think listening to this are going to understand what that is?
1: I don't know. We have a very intelligent. I couldn't even repeat it. Yeah. We have a very intelligent fan base. Um,
0: (laughs) If only the hosts were as intelligent as the fan base.
1: Uh, My number three, and this is a quick one, it's just I want to repeat my favorite storyline from last week, and it's that Idaho State had a bye week. That's it.
0: Yeah. that's. Way to drum up that fan excitement. Like Everybody else is playing, and you're like, nope, let's just wait one week. (laughs) Nope. Hold it, No. Like all you millennials, you don't have any kind of you know delayed gratification. We're gonna teach you delayed gratification. We're gonna wait a whole week and then we're gonna play a Division two team
1: on a Thursday night.
0: On a Thursday night. <laughs> so that's how you get it going in Pocatello, apparently.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's so bad. Cool. It's so bad. All right, next one. All
0: right, my number three. I am going to go with a shout out to Coy Steele, Montana State receiver, caught his first touchdown pass last week in Lubbock uh, against Texas Tech. He's, out of, he's a walk-on sophomore out of Sheridan, Wyoming. I have a soft spot in my heart for Sheridan, Wyoming. That's where my sister lives and her family. Cool. Love it down there. Yeah, I love Sheridan. You've been down there?
1: Oh, yeah. It's great. Have you, really? Yeah, I've been to Sheridan. Years ago. I though. like it there. Yeah.
0: Years. I went to the rodeo this summer there, you know, as we were talking about our what we did this summer. Yeah. But anyway, uh pretty cool. He's a five foot eight, one hundred and seventy seven pound sophomore receiver, walk on, has put his head down. We have an interview with uh, Greg Rockhatch coming up where he kinda talks about he he was really excited for Coy Steele to get that touchdown too. So bombing <laughs> threw him a seed for about what is it, a 35-yard touchdown or so. So it's pretty cool to see that. Those walk-ons get that. Even Jeff Choate said he thought that players were more happy for him than anybody else. So pretty cool uh, when you see those walk-ons get that, especially um, against a Big 12 school in a Big 12 house. So that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. No, it's something he'll remember forever, for sure. Um,
0: Your turn. My next one. We're, we're, uh, we're Jerry skipping. says you're skipping number four. Yeah, skipping. That's the Idaho. So it's my turn again? Idaho one, yep. So that's the name of the game is just steal other people's first and tens and you get to go twice. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. We should put <laughs> points on that. Yeah, All I'm right. winning right now. All, right, no, All right, so right. Yeah, three points for yeah. you. Well, my turn again. So uh, number four for me, Bobby Houck is back. He is back in the media. He's back talking shit about the Cats. He's, he's back cutting off reporters, asking good questions. So I think it was last Thursday Wednesday or Thursday he was on a um, voice of the Grizz radio show and started talking about uh, talking about the cats, you know about how the Montana state's throwing parades for when we have winning seasons, talking about the size of the stadium. People are all like you know when cats fans started to respond to that, all the Grizz fans were saying that uh, you know Bobby was renting space in the cats fans' heads but I think it's the other way around nobody was talking about Bobby over on the western or the eastern side of the state. Bobby had to put the cast name in his mouth, so I think he's a little worried. He's trying to get a little mental edge, but it's not going to work. Jeff Cho's way too mentally strong for that. Um, so that's that's Hawk Talk and Trash Rod MSU. And then, I believe it was two nights ago, a reporter asked Dalton Snead about how the season ended last year, how excited are they to get back to Washington Grizzly Stadium this year uh, for this game coming up and kind of maybe excise those demons uh, from the fumble last year against Montana State. And uh, Dalton Sneed was about ready to answer it. He didn't look very upset about it. And uh, Bobby Hout called a timeout and said, we're not answering any more questions about the past year. We're well into the 2019 season, which means one game in, um, and would not allow Dalton Sneed to answer the question. So Bobby's back. He's hating the media again. He's talking shit again. It's just not the same as last time, though. We know his games. And I think all the reporters, and you know, you and me especially, as as huge journalists as we are, um we were pretty upset about Bobby, you know, telling that reporter he couldn't ask those questions.
1: Yeah, you know, I I I was really looking forward to whatever Dalton Sneed had to had to say there and as as journalists, you know, we got to we got to <laughs> stick stick with the fraternity of brothers and you know, let's answer so We're all on these, <laughs> let's answer all these questions, especially a <laughs> We're on record
0: saying people. we're disappointed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> on on record. Capital D disappointed. Um
0: but Bobby's back. That was the, back. the gist of it. It's
1: great to have him back. And There was a lot of
0: talking just for a little bit, but Bobby's back.
1: Yeah, he's back, and if he gets a uh, Kakras win this year, all of this will look so awesome. Uh, my last. if he doesn't? One, my last one, I'm doing a quick substitute. Um, just looking at Idaho State's schedule, and we're not going to you know. You love Idaho State. We're not going to know anything about these guys uh, for quite some time because they're playing <laughs> – Western Colorado. Then they're going at Utah. And then they have a game and road game against Northern Iowa. I guess maybe we'll know something. Nah, there. they're gonna get killed gonna, in that game. But then it's then they play Portland State. Then it's like all right September twenty eighth. That's when we're gonna know something about Idaho State. What a dumb schedule.
0: Horrible schedule.
1: And they play BYU in November.
0: It's just Then so they scary. get Montana. Yeah. <laughs> they play, then North Dakota. Then, then Idaho. In November, they play
1: Eastern Washington, BYU, Weber State.
0: So, wow, good job. (laughs) That bye week is going to keep them fresh, though.
1: Yeah, they're coming in with super fresh legs.
0: So, I'll get to my number five now. So, head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur. I didn't even know this. I missed the article when he got hired as the Green Bay Packers coach. Uh, But my dad actually gave me this tip today. So, shout out to my dad who will be listening to this while he's doing his morning walk. But uh, oh, Matt good, Lafleur, good luck, on, yeah.
1: good luck on your walk.
0: Yeah, best of luck, <laughs> Matt Lafleur, Green Bay Packers head coach. Uh, he actually played quarterback for the Indoor Football League Billings Outlaws in 2003. Oh, great! How about that? And th- those were actually fun games. Like I remember coming back, um, coming back uh, from MSU back to Billings, you know, to work during the summer. We would go to those Outlaws games, and they were a, they were a blast. They were winning. The Metro was a buzz. How many people would get go to those games? They'd actually get a pretty good crowd. When they were w- winning the national, uh, I don't know, Indoor Football League title, it was a sellout at the Metro.
1: I remember Gray Falls and I think a few other cities tried to start a semi pro football game, and it, wa- it was not. Well, it was you not can't do it
0: outside. Received. You yeah. just can't do it outside. No, it was not. Yes, yeah, so he well was. Received. No, but the the indoor football league in the metro was actually a blast. I really liked going to those games. Chris Dixon, when he was the quarterback, electric electrified the Magic City. Um, they built the Outlaws' little side story. They, the Outlaws built their like a practice facility out off of ninety by Geyser Park. Yeah, shout out Geyser Park, or maybe R.I.P. Geyser Park. I don't know. Um, and then the Father's Day tornado of like two thousand nine rolled through Billings. Destroyed the Metro during their season, and uh, the Outlaws were no more and never to be heard of again. That was it? That was it. Yeah, they canceled the season. The Outlaws went away. The practice facility still is out there. They use it for, like, practices, indoor, like, flag football leagues, things like that. But, yeah, Outlaws gone because of the Father's Day tornado. Man, RIP. RIP Outlaws. But they were fun while they lasted. I think that's it for for first and ten. I have nothing to (laughs) add. I think that's ten things. It's a fun little story. Yeah. Thank you. I'm I'm glad I could uh, uh, entertain you with the Matt LaFleur story. So uh, go Packers, go Outlaws. Totally. So we want to roll into our two teams. We're going to start out with the Grizzlies, a win over South Dakota. Last week in Vermillion in front of half of a stadium. Uh, The other half was under construction. So a 31-17 win as the Grizz fan of this podcast How'd you feel about it?
1: It's great. So, I mean, as a Grizz fan who has a thousand dollars on the Grizz winning more than true six and, that's and a half games, a good start for you. <laughs>
0: felt that's a good, good about start it. for
1: you. Uh, <laughs> so that was nice. Uh, but no, look, a few takeaways. One, watching the game on TV, uh, it was super weird seeing it being played in what looked like an empty yeah. stadium because the cameras were facing the Grizz sideline, and that's the that's the side that was closed. So it just looked like they were playing this college football game in, like, an abandoned... Uh, warehouse, like the, almost. Yeah, like, a warehouse. It was it was a very weird feeling, almost like watching the Grizz Western Illinois game where they were just playing in an empty stadium last year. Um,
0: but it was, it was a lot of concrete, though, which changes a it a lot. A lot of
1: bit. concrete and, like, a weird... I couldn't really figure out, like, where the seats were going. It just seemed like a lot it of... Was yeah, but, it was weird. Um,
0: yeah, It was weird.
1: Yeah, look, I think that there's obviously... And and the Grizz fan podcast guys, they dissect this a lot uh, on their show that posted on Tuesday. So I'm not going to repeat everything that they said, but, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. Sneed looked awesome. Our receivers looked awesome. Uh, Once the offense got rolling, uh, you know, between Torre, Akem and Jerry Louis McGee, they just look like they'll be everyone's going to have a tough time stopping them. Uh, But on the other hand, oh, and on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, Dante Olson looked like he was all over the place. The defense uh, besides for that one long haired receiver who kept getting open. Um, it, they, you know, they had a lot of good, a lot of good possessions. Uh, South Dakota got into the red zone a handful of times and walked away with zero points or just a field goal. So the defense stepped up, but they were allowing big plays, which was killing us last year. And then on the offensive side of the ball, the you know we talked about all last season, all offseason, the grids need to improve on offensive line. They may have improved, but it, it still looks like it's going to be a liability um, going forward this year. It's definitely a weakness on the team. But look, a win's a win. They won by yeah. a couple touchdowns. It, grids fans have every reason to be excited, and it, you know it puts them, assuming that they can take care of business at home against two weaker FCS programs, it puts them in pretty good shape uh, going
0: into uh, their conference schedule, assuming they've lost to yeah. Oregon. Well, it's a win and it's an FCS win. And it's a I good, FCS, liked, win. It's a good well, FCS win. It's a good FCS win. Well, it's a decent FCS win. Let's look back really quickly at South Dakota last season. Okay. This was not a power team in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. They finished third to last in the conference last year. I know this is last year. I know this is a new season. I totally get that. So don't think that I'm laying, you know, it's, it's not all of that. But three and five in conference, four and seven um, overall. Not a great season for South Dakota last year. So it's not like they beat up on a top tier Missouri Valley Football Conference. It is an FCS win. It's good. It's a great way to start the season off. You know, Montana State starts. We'll talk about it, but Montana State starts off with a loss to a, a, a Big Twelve team. Which there's so many ways you can take that, but a we win don't against need an to FCS. Talk about Montana State no, no, no. That I'm, that's what I'm. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. We'll I would love it. to see a win over an FCS team to start the season out because you are right. It gives you excitement. It makes you feel good about getting that win against, likewise, uh, you know, like comp- competition. So I get that. Um, But it's not like we're talking about they took down an upper echelon of any football conference. Um, It was a good win. I I would love a win this weekend against an FCS opponent. I'll be very excited uh, when we get it. But I just don't want Grizz fans to get too overboard. So just promise me you're not going to get too overboard.
1: Well, by admitting – Promise me. Promise me. Not overboard. But, Nate, by admitting that, that South Dakota is not an upper echelon
0: well they game. were bottom echelon last year. Bottom.
1: Sagarin ratings, which we agree Sagarin ratings are pretty good. Oh,
0: I looked these up pretty and good. I wish you wouldn't. I wish you wouldn't have.
1: <laughs> Dakota ranked 137, Montana State ranked 147. So here's my problem with that Montana this early State in the season. It,
0: <laughs> of course how do are. you know well, how do you know any ranking after one game like that? I just don't get it.
1: Well, because there's some guy who I'm assuming studies this all off season and takes into factors from last season, from this season, from recruiting his computers into a formula in his computer and it spits this out. So look, fine. Maybe South Dakota's not an upper echelon uh, team, but neither is Montana state
0: because they are 10 points behind him behind them. I don't believe in Sagarin anymore. I looked that up today too. I was going to use it to say something. I was like, "Look who you guys beat! They're down by like you know the Idaho states of the conference or the Sac states." And I saw they were above Montana State. I was like, "Well, this guy, this is bullshit." Actually, this could be. Problem. This is. This is. I'm going to delete this and my web history gone. So, so I'm glad you brought that up. But uh, no, it was a good win for the Grizz. Obviously, um. I think the level-headed Grizz fans, like you are pretending to be right now, see it as a good win, but aren't getting their expectations too high. Like I said, it's it's a you're right that that's a hell of a way to start out the season, especially when you come home against a team that you're going to be favored um, by three touchdowns over to get that two and zero. Both of them FCS wins. Go to Oregon, get your ass kicked, and kind of come back, regroup, and really start the season. But you have a two and one head start at that point, which is a which is a pretty good place to be.
1: Yeah. Also, uh, so South Dakota one thirty seven in the Sagarin ratings. There is. Uh, I thought
0: we were done with the Sagarin. A hundred
1: and thirty schools in the FBS, so by some mathematical property, that would mean South Dakota is seven spots away from being an FBS school. So just same.
0: Okay. Well, Sagarin ratings are the Bible on our podcast. Um, we use them when we want to, and we uh, delete them from our tabs when they go against our narrative. And so we obviously both use that to our you know advantage and disadvantage today. But we do have northern North – I want to keep saying Northern Me Alabama. Too. Yeah. Can we just do it? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Northern Alabama comes in. The Northern Alabama Lions come into Washington Grizzly right now on Five Dimes. As of the taping of this podcast on Wednesday evening, Montana is a 24-point favorite at home against Northern Alabama. Now we talked about how Northern Alabama was a D2 school up until two years ago, but they had a pretty nice win last week over Western Illinois, a team that the Grizz lost to last year, the Cats beat last year. Um, No transitive properties there. It's a new season. Western Illinois really wasn't that good, Um, but they're coming in off of a win and they're going to come in to take, to look to take down easily their biggest win of the FCS program of their era. So I think 24 is a little high, but, how are you feeling? Well, Western Illinois, of game?
1: course, not very good. Please I guess, don't say, I guess I'll agree with cats you, and Sagarin, uh, Sagarin waiting one fifty one, Bobcats, one forty seven. So they're right in the same <laughs> tier. Uh, I guess we can all agree. That's that, how, you know, that, it's bullshit not, that we, we can all agree. That's not very good. Um, but no, look, I think, uh, that 24 point line, I've seen it started like, I think 22 and a half and I've seen it as high as 25. Like I just, uh, to me, that is way too many points. Um, mentioned it earlier the Grizz should be favored uh but three and a half touchdowns like there's no there's no way that makes sense um I I, you know I I, again I defer to I don't want to get too much into North Alabama because our guys at the Grizz fan pod did a big big breakdown of them but there there's a there's a lot to be worried about you know it's a successful program and when it a very good D2 program makes the jump up. Like that's usually a recipe for uh, a quick turnaround into developing a good FCS program. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to watch the game, but I'm also, I, over the past four years, I feel like whenever the grids get up, then they just kick me in the stomach. So I'm also prepared for that. That makes sense.
0: So if you do put $100 straight up on Northern Alabama to come in and beat the Grizz, right now they're plus one, 1250 So if you put 100 bucks down on Northern Alabama, you're going to come out with 1300 bucks, hmm. Actually, 1350 So just, uh, you know, I don't know if you have that $100 to spend or if you're going to save up for your $1,000 bet that you placed. But um, Montana, pretty heavy favorite at home against Northern Alabama. But um, I'm also looking forward to seeing, you know, um, the Grizz at home. I'm looking for, I mean, I just can't get enough FCS football, big sky football right now. So I'll definitely be watching that game. Do I think Montana covers? I do not. Do I think they win? I think they are going to win, but I would put money on Northern Alabama a plus 24 right now, no doubt. Yeah, same here. So we look at the Montana state game under the lights, Gold Rush in Bozeman welcoming Southeast Missouri State to town. I'm super excited for this game. You got to see an FCS FCS matchup last week. I did not get to. This is going to determine Montana State season. Yeah, do you think this so? one game? Yeah. Well, so it's, so it's Jeff, certainly Ch- gonna, it's certainly going
1: determine your bet—the seven
0: and a half. Wins, it, uh, so yes, that's gonna obviously. that that's gonna that's gonna be a big uh, effect on that, and also yeah, that's what I'll every be watching other for. I bet, but even every other fan. Um, and I, I I asked this question to Greg Rakoc in our interview, mm-hmm. but like. What do you think Bobcat fans' outlook on the season is going to look like if the Cats lose this game? And I think it's going to be sky is falling almost, yeah. starting out 0-2. Um, and this is, this is that win that Jeff Choate needs, that signature win. They haven't beat anybody, I don't believe, and we're not going to look it up again. We never do. But the Montana State has beat a team in the top 25 since Choate has been there. I think
1: yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, he only has seventeen wins in three years, so
0: it's not three a, of them against the Grizz, right? Yeah,
1: not right. a long list uh, Yeah. So fourteen
0: non Grizz wins. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to put it that way. Um the Grizz might were the Grizz ranked any of those years?
1: I, I don't remember. They might Okay, well been. yeah. It but, doesn't matter.
0: Those are his three signature wins. Well that's about as plain as you can put it. Yes. Those three games are his three signature wins. I would love to see him get a signature win against somebody other than the Grizz, and this is the perfect opportunity to do it. They're feeling good coming off that Texas Tech game. Everybody got out of there healthy. They're going to be at home under the lights. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere at uh, at Bobcat Stadium. This is the time they need to make this win. They need to cement themselves in the conference, in the polls. Everybody's going to be watching this game around the FCS when they're voting. Uh, not that the polls matter that much, obviously, at the end of the season, but this is going to be the game that determines what, how they are viewed nationally, for sure. Having it be a 12-13 matchup at night when there's not as many games going on, especially on Mountain Time Zone. So this is a massive game for the program and a massive game for the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that everyone's going to think the sky's falling
0: if, if they lose this. Hell, I might think that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, there was a, a couple times last year that you thought the sky was falling as well. And we
0: actually played the Charlie Brown yeah. sad song. When we said both the cats and Grizz were eliminated from the playoffs and all of a sudden we made it. So yeah, what do we know? We're, we're not that smart.
1: Yeah. Um, that's definitely true, but no, it's, uh, and what do you think? So we asked this on uh, big sky, big takes, but I'll let you elaborate a little more. So your quarterback Ballman had a numbers wise, not an impressive game. He had moments where he looked very sharp, uh, but he did protect the ball. No turnovers for the Cats. What you know? Assuming this is going to be a close game this weekend, what type of stat line do you need to see out of Ballman before
0: he, uh, for you to feel good about him as your starter? I mean, the, the the no interceptions against Texas Tech was pretty awesome. And again, I said it last night. A lot of those balls were in the dirt. A lot of them weren't interceptable if that's a word, because they just were so inaccurate. There was a lot of nerves there. First start at Texas Tech. But, uh, you know, I think this week what you're looking for is the poise, the the confidence, you know, hitting those short throws. That seed he threw to Coy Steele was like, if that's what he's going to be, then we we have a baller on our hands, right? But if he's tentative, if he's throwing those balls in the dirt at home against an FCS defense, I'm going to be a little bit nervous. But, you know, I think that he got out of that game some confidence. He saw that he could hit some throws. He's not going to see a defense even close to Texas Tech this year. So, you know, this week what I need to see out of him is just that that protecting the ball. Um, Southeast Missouri State well, was number one in turnovers in the FCS last year, so he needs to protect the ball. I think he just needs to get some confidence early by hitting some of those short throws and opening up the field a little bit. Let Afonso, um, you know, get some touches there after he opens it up a little bit. So... I don't need to see this massive Dalton Sneed, Gage Gabrood, Case Cook, is Jake Mayer, Meyer line. I just need to see some confidence and just opening up the field for the Cats running game.
1: Sure. Do you think, uh, you know, Troy Anderson got in a little bit on the offensive side of the ball? Um, He, career-wise, Troy Anderson has 10 100-yard rushing games. Do you think he'll ha- he'll add to that total this season. What's your expectation for him as an uh, offensive weapon?
0: This week, I th- see – I mean, I, I honestly don't know – I'm speaking more generally, generally, but this week – Generally, this know. season, um, well, I mean, he's going to be on the field. He's going to get touches. He's going to be lining up on the offensive side of the ball because you have to game plan for him. And when he's on the field, you have to watch what he's doing. He can break literally any play for – 50, 60 yards, a touchdown. We saw that last year. So when he's on the field, he's gonna get, he's gonna have the eyes on him, which is gonna open it up for other players. And when you give him the ball, everybody who was keying on him last year. He can still make those plays. So he's gonna get the touches. He's gonna be on the offensive side of the ball, no matter what. You know, I don't know how many plays he'll actually get the ball, but he's gonna be on that at least lining up. Does he add to his hundred yard games this year? I would put the over under at two, and I would probably I would probably go with like a push there. You know what I mean? Or put it at three, and I would go under. Okay. Do you, know, so you think he'll
1: probably he'll be involved enough where he may get?
0: Yeah. Uh, if you look at like you know, someone goes down, or he break, he does get a couple touches, and one of them is a sixty yard run. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it's going to be like a fifteen twenty carry game where he gets to a hundred by averaging five six yards a carry. I think it's going to be. A big gain, maybe a smaller one around the goal line, get to his hundred. But I don't think it's going to be obviously what we've seen in the past.
1: Got it. Yeah. And just looking back over the records, uh, Jeff Choate beat North Dakota in 2017. And it looks like they ended the year ranked number 17. I'm not sure if they were ranked when the game was played. But still, they
0: beat they dominated a good opponent. Okay. We'll take that then. But um, so – Southeast Missouri state comes in. They are actually the line open. Well, do you want to half. know
1: Jeff Choate's other wins? Oh, for sure. I, I
0: thought we were done. Yeah.
1: No, uh, <laughs> Bryant, Western Oregon, 2016, UC Davis. when they stunk. We're, we're skipping the Montana. You have three, but they're ago.
0: on their way up. Yeah.
1: Uh, not very good that year. North Dakota game, which we mentioned then Portland state, Northern Colorado, Idaho state, Wagner, Portland state again, Idaho, Northern Colorado, Cal Poly, Incarnate Word.
0: So, oh, and Western See, Illinois. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's time. They need it. Joe yeah. needs this. The team needs this. The fan base needs this. The program needs this win.
1: Yeah, he he talks a lot about Troy Anderson kind of being the MVP of the team and the heart and soul of the team. I think the schedule makers are the true heart and soul of the the Bobcat team. Hey, you have
0: to players. you have to win the games though. You have to win them. But. So Southeast Missouri State comes in, line opened up at eight and a half. Right now it's seven and a half. The, uh, the Cats are favored uh, by seven and a half points. Uh, so Montana State, they, they're they getting the respect from the odds makers. They're getting the respect from basically everybody in the polls. They moved up one spot after a loss last week because of a couple of losses ahead of them. The respect is there, and now they need to go out and like reactively, if that's the way you'd look at it, reactively earn that respect. You know what I mean? Cause they are, there's expectations, there's respect. And now they just, they really need to prove that they belong where they are ranked at and you know, what people are talking about. And it's not going to be easy. Southeast Missouri has, um, the Buck Buchanan award winner from last year. The guy that beat out Dante Olson, Zach Hall. Yeah. Dude's a beast monster, a monster. I think he had 15 tackles last week in the first uh, game of the season. So dude is a beast better than Dante Olson. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun matchup. I'm I'm really excited because no matter what, I think it's gonna be entertaining. It's a very even matchup, twelve and thirteen teams. If they win, I'm gonna be over the moon. Yeah, you sh- I mean you should be over the moon.
1: Uh, I think they're I think they're gonna win. You guys look so good against Texas Tech. I'm not too worried <laughs> about it. Ballman is gonna is gonna ball out, and you know, uh, look, Coach Choate, he prepares for big games like these. Uh. You know, beats the Grizz when when they need a win. He beat uh, Portland State a handful of times. So he's going to get well, up. Well, you for know, this Portland game.
0: State was a little frisky last year. They uh, gonna went into Washington Grizzly and got that dub he's last year. He's going to
1: get up for this game, no doubt about it. Um, and it's under the lights, right?
0: Yep. It's a 6 p.m. Mountain Time starts. Cool, so those gosh. lights are going to be on. The students are going to have a few White Claws and Trulys in them. Oh, yeah. No chance they lose this thing. Nope. Nope. So. Awesome time, though, is that we uh, we got Greg Rokocz to come on and join our podcast for a little interview about last week's game against, against Texas Tech, this upcoming game against Southeast Missouri State or just Southeast Missouri State. There's the state. state. Yeah. yeah. There's – okay, yeah. So we struggle with uh, the away teams, but Greg Rokocz does not. So we are going to kick it over to my interview with Greg Rokocz. All right, so we want to welcome on Greg Rakoc, uh, the man who follows the Bobcats for the Billings Gazette and 406mtsports.com. So, Greg, thanks for being on here this week.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank
0: you for having me. Appreciate Definitely. It. Well, we're going to get right into it. We call you when we want to talk Montana State football, and you were at that game in Lubbock this week. A lot of us had to try and find it on TV and watch it from where we were at, but you were actually down there in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. So, first off, how was the atmosphere down there? I know you were... You were pressed for time. You were kind of you and I were kind of talking about how you got in late and had to leave early. But what was that at game day atmosphere like uh, at Texas Tech and in Lubbock?
2: You know, it was pretty good. I mean, it, I, I wouldn't say it was the the greatest I've ever seen, but um, you know they do a good job down there. I I guess one uh, factor that kind of showed up. I was expecting um, more fans. I think the attendance was somewhere around fifty four thousand. And okay, you know they, they can hold they can hold about 61,000, I think in that stadium. And um, to me, it didn't look like even that many were there. Um, I know that it was, it was really hot uh, and the, you know, respect to those people that, that toughed it out, you know, for all four quarters. Um, But it definitely started to thin out, you know, in the second half as the the game kind of got out of hand, which Mm -hmm. is understandable, but uh, they do a really good job with the production and, and, um, you know, I don't think it was the loudest place, you know, I don't think the Bobcats really had any trouble with crowd noise or anything like that. But, uh, the one thing I will say was it was definitely a big 12, you know, like power five press box.
0: Okay. So you had air conditioning. <laughs> they,
2: really, they really take care of you over there and, uh, uh, couldn't have been more uh, appreciative of that. And so awesome. it's always good, you know, when, when the teams step up to play these power five teams, it's it's always a, kind of an eye opening experience for the players and maybe even for the coaches at times. But it's it's also an eye opening experience, uh, you know, for the media, just because of all the the resources that these places have. So it, it was a lot of fun. And,
0: um, you know, I think uh, I think Texas Tech is going to be a pretty good team this year. Yeah, they look. I mean, you could tell right away, just on that opening drive, the speed, at yeah. uh, which that offense, or, or, or I guess Texas Tech's opening drive, you know, Cats had the ball first, but when mm-hmm. Texas Tech got that ball in that first drive, just the difference in speed, and I mean, you have to say athleticism, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the tempo was one thing, but also the just the skill and the, and the speed, especially on the outside, that that uh, Texas tech was able to create and, and some of those mismatches really showed up early in the game and, and the Bobcats struggled to have an answer for it. You know, they, the defense really had their backs to the wall and um, it was, you know, you could tell they were having trouble with the tempo um, early on and just trying to get set and get the calls in. and um, You know, but I think, you know, if you evaluate the full 60 minutes, you know, they got some stops and mm-hmm. got off the field a few times. And so uh, it, it wasn't like a,
0: a Penn State-Idaho situation. Thank God. Where yeah. The, yeah <laughs> I mean, the $1.5 million would have been nice, but...
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, when you, when you make that much money, uh, the score is kind of irrelevant. So I don't think Idaho is... Um, you know, the football players are probably a little down, but yeah. uh, the athletic department is feeling pretty good, I'm sure, right now. But um, as for MSU, you know, I think it definitely could have been a lot worse. Uh, but I think because they, they were able to hold their own and kind of, you know, compete for 60 minutes and, and really hang in there, I think, you know, they, they did an OK job. They did definitely. an OK job considering, you know, what they were up against in terms of that offense and that that speed and that skill.
0: Yeah, new coaching staff came in from Utah State, and they had what almost 500 yards of offense per game last year. You can you definitely see there was a difference in Texas Tech in this first game. I know it was against the Cats, but compared Uh, to what they played, how they played last year under Kingsbury. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's as fast a tempo as I've
2: seen. I think you know they they were they were ready to snap the ball before the chains were even set. You know, after each play, and um, I. You know, Coach Choate mentioned it afterwards, and I think he's right. It's going to be, regardless of who they play, that's going to be a tough offense to, mm-hmm. to go up against. And So certainly no shame in MSU giving up 45 points there. Um, you know, another thing to remember is they left their their starters in until the very last possession. And so um, I don't think the Bobcats have too much to hang their heads
0: no. about the over this game. Definitely. And so the score was 45-10. to 10. It was obviously – I mean – you could go on Bobcat Nation and see the guys who are, you know, projecting the Cats win. You know, there's going to be those those fans that that think with their heart, not with their head. I don't think a ton of fans yeah. thought this game was going to be a W for the for the Cats, but a lot of it was going to see the main thing was going to see Casey Bowman, Bowman for the first time. Yeah. What were your initial thoughts on him as he, you know, got there behind center and you know in his first real meaningful time with the Cats? What did you think about him? Well, I, I don't think it was great, but I don't think it was terrible. I mean, I thought they were able to,
2: for the most part, operate pretty clean. Uh, I think they only had one offensive penalty, which was a holding call, and which in that in itself is impressive because of True, the, yeah. the guys they were going up against on the other side of that line. Um, those are some big dudes up there. Um, you know, they didn't turn the ball over. Um, you know, they went out and, and kind of stuck to the plan. They didn't. You know, rightfully so. They didn't. I think they stayed pretty vanilla on offense. Mm-hmm. Wanted to show the whole playbook right away, and that that was probably pretty smart.
0: Um, I thought the touchdown pass to Coy Steele was that was a C. That was a that great was a throw. that was awesome. And that's what, I think uh, that's where you um, see his cannon is on a play yeah, like that. Absolutely, and and you know it, it kind of just developed
2: perfectly. And he's such a big guy back there at six foot six and. He's able to see over the defense, and and it was just um, such a well-executed play. Uh, that was a good moment for Coy Steele too, because you know he's really been working hard, and uh, came in as a walk-on out of Sheridan, Wyoming, and he just kind of keeps his head down and goes about his business. So I, I know the the Bobcats were happy to see him get in the end zone there. Um, but on the other end of that, I think there was, you know, Casey. He was he wasn't totally accurate on some of his short in mm-hmm. intermediate throws. Some and balls think, in the dirt, kind of. Right, kinda. and I think there was a, a pass that, you know, with the, I think it was in the second quarter, Texas Tech was ahead 14-7. to seven. It was after um, Bauman hooked up with Coy Steele. Uh, he had Troy Anderson streaking yep. down the field open, and he just overthrew him. And I think, you know, if he hooks up with, with Troy there, it's a tie game. And uh, Coach Cho you know, pointed to that and said, you know, that that could have changed the complexion of the game there because uh, suddenly, you know, you're getting, you know, towards the meat of the game and and it's a tie game and maybe um, puts a little more pressure on Texas Tech, but missed the throw and, uh, you know, they obviously, uh, Texas Tech went on to to kind of pull away from there, Mm -hmm. but I don't know, I don't think there was anything for Casey to really, uh, you know, I think this being his first start he, he he went out he he did his job he, he knows what he needs to work on and uh one thing that coach showed said last week before the the game kind of the run-up to to kickoff was that you know you, you you get your first start against a big 12 defense and now everything from here is going to just it's going to seem a little bit easier mm-hmm. and so I thought it was a good way to get your first start and and get
0: your feet wet and now um Casey has some experience to work on. Yeah, and you start that FCS slate and yeah, like you said, it gets a little bit easier than there. You're not gonna be playing any more Big Twelve teams and yeah. it's a pretty amazing experience for your first start. Um, yeah, hopefully hopefully uh a little more a little less nerves this week at home. Right. From, uh, yeah, in front for of sure. the, from the home crowd. But speaking of, you know, we talked about Troy, he he did play offense and defense, and just like mm-hmm. just like Coach Schultz said he was gonna get touches and um but you know, watching on TV, it's kinda hard if a play's not run right at you know, a linebacker. Uh, sometimes you can't tell the impact they have on the game or how they looked. You know, from your vantage point in the press box, being able to see everybody, how did Troy look on defense, and uh, did he have the impact that you would have expected him to have on a pack or on a Big Twelve game? Um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's always tough in that situation when. Like we talked about, just with the the
2: difference in, in the speed and the skill, mm-hmm. uh, especially on, on the perimeter and the outside. I, I don't think Troy was ever really out of position. You know, he was around the ball, made made tackles when he when he had to, and and um, yeah, I thought he held his own pretty good. I there wasn't any glaring anything glaring that that stood out that you said, oh Troy looks lost out there mm-hmm. or anything like that. I think is impressive because you know this. He's played a little bit of linebacker before, but has been primarily just on offense for through his first two years at MSU. And, um, he's such a smart kid, he, he picks everything up really quick. And so, uh, he, he certainly wasn't a liability out there. And I oh, don't think sure, anyone yeah. expected him to be a liability, but, um, I just, I, I think we're gonna know a lot more about Troy and the whole team really this week against Southeast Missouri.
0: Definitely. And were you, were you surprised at all that that Cho was giving him touches um, on offense in a play-up game like this, where you really have nothing to win and you know injuries to lose or opening up the playbook to lose? Were you surprised at all about the offensive touches he was giving Troy?
2: I don't think so. I mean, I, like you said, that that was something that Coach Chote had talked about that he's going to have a role on offense regardless and uh i think they used him probably about the right amount you know they didn't they didn't try to ride him mm-hmm. like, in the ground game or anything like that and, um yeah i i just think that uh, it was probably they kind of stuck to their week one plan and uh you gotta remember i mean troy's a guy who can take it to the to the end zone on any given play Definitely and so any play yeah and he's a guy who the defense has
0: to account for even if he doesn't get the ball so uh, I thought it was smart you know putting him out there and giving him a shot and seeing what he could do definitely so what impressed you most about the cats against Texas Tech
2: I would say just the way they competed 60 okay. minutes that that that's a game that could have gotten really out of hand if they hadn't have hung in there and and played every snap and and that's just a a trait of coach Choate he's gonna you know, he demands the guys compete on every play and that's what they did. And, uh, I thought the defensive line, I mean, they're going up against an an offensive line. That's one of the more veteran groups in the big 12. And, um, you know, they, they didn't back down. They stuck their nose in there and, and, um, made some plays. And so, you know, Bryce Stirk had a sack, uh, and I, and you know, they won they won the turnover battle, which I, I didn't expect, especially with KC Bauman making his first
0: start. I would have predicted that you know he he would throw at least one interception, but he didn't. And uh, I think those are things that MSU can really hang its hat on. Okay, and then what would, if you had to name one thing, and there might not be something here, but what would make you nervous as a Cats fan going into this week's game from anything you saw at Texas Tech? Is there anything at all you can take from this game and even what? compare it to Southeast Missouri?
2: I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I just think that's it's really tough to really um, pull anything like that out of this game. They were, yeah, you know, they were, they were just overmatched, and um, would
0: you expect? Nate, Nate, it's not anything. It's not anything that most people didn't expect. And when you look at this, right. every almost every FCS versus a Power Five. I mean, with every FCS vs. Power 5 game last week, I mean, there was nothing even close to an upset, unless somehow in what world Portland State almost beat Arkansas is beyond me. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) you know,
2: Weber State
0: certainly has a a very strong defense. And, um, you know, (laughs) their offense, you know, they've they've
2: had struggles on offense a little bit like Montana State has, uh, just trying to achieve that balance. But I thought their defense was really stout. And, um, you know, they, they could have pulled the upset there too, but, Definitely. uh, as far as, you know, anything that, that would make me nervous for, for MSU coming out of, out of that game, going into Southeast Missouri, I don't really see anything. I, maybe the one thing would be
0: just trying to get Casey a little, a little more accurate on some of those passes, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's a first game, it's a first career start. And I just think, you know, it's a long season and, and it it takes time to to really um, get experience and then use that to your benefit as time goes on. Definitely. So, kind of a wrap up question for the FCS FBS game. What is your favorite venue that you've been able to cover the cats at in a play up game like this? Uh, you mean against against FBS against an FBS school? Yeah. J- just in terms of the venue, or or in terms of the outcome, or venue and atmosphere.
2: Man, that's a good question.
0: That's a good question. Um, were you down in Were you down in CU when uh, they knocked off the Buffs?
2: Yeah, I was there. I was at that game. That was good. Um, I'd almost say Washington State a couple of years ago. I thought okay. that atmosphere was really fun. Um,
0: yeah, I was there at that one. That was a pretty good time.
2: There was there was just an air of. It seemed like in pregame at Texas Tech, there wasn't. You know, there wasn't like an air of like, oh, college football's back, like there was at Washington State two years okay. ago. So, um, I don't know that that Colorado game though was just because of the, you know, you didn't expect that at all. Yeah,
0: and um, the CU, you, your alma mater.
2: Uh no,
0: no, oh, but but I'm I'm a, I'm a Colorado. I'm from Colorado originally. That's right. Okay, and I knew so, there was a connection but, there.
2: Yeah, I grew up a Buffs fan. Okay, and so, um, but you know, I didn't. You know, I got to stay kind of true to the journalistic principles i suppose and, and i didn't really have a dog in that fight but um <laughs> but it was to do, in hindsight,
0: sure. you know that, that was a surprise but maybe not as much in hindsight just based on kind of how colorado never really got going under under coach hawkins but yeah nevertheless you never expected it and so that was a fun one yeah
2: that was a fun it one. was <laughs> yeah
0: all right, so we look we look ahead to Southeast Missouri State. They just, uh, when the polls came out yesterday, a nice Labor Day poll uh, in the stats poll, they're the number 12 team. The Cats, you know, moved up to number 13 as a couple teams in front of them lost and nobody really penalized the Cats, it doesn't look like. So we got a 12-13 matchup in week two. What are you looking for from the Cats in their first FCS game? I know you talked about, you know, bombing, kind of getting his feet under him against an FCS defense, but... Uh you know what would you be looking for now that they're going to be playing someone on their same level you know what excites Uh you most about this week
2: well i would say you know the one thing i'm looking for is just if the offense can execute a little bit better especially in short yard uh and and like third and fourth down situations they were two for 16 on third down last week and that really hurt them if they could have move the chains on a few of those. You never know what happens on some of those drives. And, mm-hmm. and so I know that's going to be a point of emphasis for the team going into this week. Just try to be better on third down. Um, and you mentioned, you know, can, can Casey, mom take another step, you know, uh, like coach showed had mentioned, it's, you know, and Southeast Missouri is no slouch defensively, but they're not Texas tech. So this yeah. Should, might seem a little bit easier once the flow of the game gets going Definitely. and so we'll, we'll see how he he performs and then you yeah, know you look at a a guy like daniel's uh santa katarina the quarterback for um
0: just daniel something. we're just gonna call him daniel s that's way daniel,
2: too daniel s okay <laughs> uh he's you know i watched that game against southern illinois on friday i think or no it was thursday mm-hmm. um and you know he's just a guy that He's he's really tough, you know. He he's able to extend plays with the speed, and he runs the ball. There's a lot of you know run pass option stuff, zone read stuff that that you might expect. Throws a really good deep ball, and he's got the receivers that can that can go up and make plays down the field. Uh, So he's going to be a tough matchup for Montana State's defense. Um, I think turnovers are going to play a big role too. Um, Southeast Missouri State was plus 24 last year, which led to FCS. And, um, you know, they were even last week. I think they turned it over once and, uh, got one takeaway. So, um, and the Bobcats have been kind of riding a a wave of takeaways since really kind of the later part of last season, they ended Mm -hmm. up plus 10 last year and came out on the positive side last week against Texas tech, which really wasn't expected. So, um, that, the turnover tail is going to be important in this game as it is in every game, but maybe even more magnified just based on how these teams, uh, fare in that statistical category. So, um, another player to watch is linebacker Zach Hall. Yep. He's the Buck
0: Cannon award winner. Beat out Dante Olson, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people in these parts thought Dante
2: was, was a shoe in for that. And, um, uh, but Zach Hall won the award and, uh, he had 19 tackles against uh, Southern Illinois, always around the ball, makes plays, very difficult to to account for, uh, you know, if you're an offense. And so he's a guy that's uh, definitely um, going to be under the microscope on Saturday night.
0: How do you think, um, so I, Isaiah Fonse had a, had a pretty good game. You know, he had 77 yards against uh, Texas Tech, 40 of them came on that one big run that he had. How do you (laughs) see him performing against FCS defenses? I mean, do you think he's in for as big a year as the rest of us think?
2: Yeah, I I don't think there's any reason why he can't have the same impact. The only question is, is he going to get the same amount of touches? Mm -hmm. I know last year it it might be different this year with a different quarterback because defenses had to really be in on Troy also last year. Um, And so, you know, when he's in the backfield and on – you know, running downs, I think teams might be able to focus on him a little more, although Casey Bauman showed the willingness to, to run and take some hits against Texas Tech. And mm-hmm. I know that I keep that in, in the in the game plan and in the playbook, uh, that plus one running game, having the quarterback, you know, run the ball. And I think Casey's athletic enough and big enough to, to you know, be a pretty good runner. And so, um, yeah, but Isaiah, I, th- I think you're going to see, Similar results. I don't think there's any reason to expect otherwise, just based on you know who they have back on offensive line, and um, especially if they can dial up a few more throws down the field, set
0: up maybe a little more effective play action um, mm-hmm. game in the offense. All right. So we know it's we know this is a, it's an early game. It's it's game number two the whole season, and and Cho kind of touched on it in his press conference. It's not the whole season, but it's a big game. Yeah. So it's under the lights in Bozeman on Saturday. It's Gold Rush. Um, everybody in Montana is excited to you know get both their teams home uh, this week. And it's kind of that opening weekend of college when you get the Cats and the Grizz uh, both, uh, both at home. But is this game, do you think, is it more important for the fans to see a win or the players to see a win this week? Do you think, I mean, in, in the sense that if, if the Cats lose this game, mm-hmm. is there an immediate reaction all over the state that maybe they were a little too hyped?
2: that's a good question i i think maybe yeah i think if you start out oh and two and then suddenly you're going on the road to western illinois who who, you know that's a missouri valley team that's that's been good in the past and gave msu a tough one uh last year Mm -hmm. down here for for gold rush i yeah i i think that's that would be a sense of a little bit of well you know now it's a must win situation uh in week three if you start out oh and two um you know, as you mentioned, it's it's number twelve versus number thirteen, so
0: it's it's kind of a marquee FCS non-conference. going to see it. <laughs> yeah, for
2: sure. And Coach Cho talked about you know being able to kind of put yourself on the map in a national sense. And, and this is a great opportunity for both teams to do that. Um, you know, Montana State won eight games last year. Southeast Missouri won nine games. They both won a playoff game, uh, and both both teams think that they can take another step. Mm-hmm. And so, um, coach showed us talk a lot about the importance of getting a buy in, in the postseason and setting yourself up for some home games in the postseason. and a win like this could go a long way towards that. Uh, obviously depending on how the re- remainder of the season goes, but it's, it's a big game in terms of that quality trying, win. They, yeah. Trying to set yourself up. And so, the, the good thing for MSU is that they came out of Texas Tech healthy, um, mm-hmm. and this will be a much more
0: accurate barometer, you know, of, of who they are and what kind of a team they it have. It makes so, me nervous and excited at the same time. Yeah, so I'm going to be right. the most hyped person in the state if if they can get that win over them, and I'm also going to be pretty, uh, pretty disappointed if they if they can't come out of Saturday with a win. So it's I think as a yeah. as an FCS fan, this is what. You get excited. I was excited for the Texas Tech game, you know, Mm -hmm. finding it on TV, watching it, but you knew that it wasn't going to get you that accurate representation probably of where Montana State's at. So this week is really that that one I'm excited for. Yep. Yeah.
2: People will know, will have a lot better of an idea of what kind of team this is at Montana State this week. So,
0: So as a a real journalist, can you comment on um, gambling (laughs) lines? Uh, Can I comment? So I'll ask the question, then you just tell me if you can't.
2: like do I know what it is?
0: Oh, well, I know what it is. The, the line right now is the cats are favored by eight and a half.
2: Was it eight and a half? Okay, I heard I thought it was
0: seven. Maybe it might have changed seven. a little bit, but I think okay. when they opened up yesterday at eight and a half, what do you do you think that's an accurate line, or would you be a little uh, bit uh wary of giving uh Southeast Missouri State, you know, either seven or eight points? Uh
2: I think that's pretty accurate. I, I think what goes into that is You know, the Bobcats are at home. It's their home opener. Um, And I think maybe when you look at kind of the leagues that these two teams play in, um, the Big Sky historically has been much stronger top to bottom than the Ohio Valley. And so, um, you know, you saw that um, Southeast Missouri lost to Weber State last year in In playoffs. And and so, um, and that was you know, it was like a 20-point game or something like that. Um, no, I think that's, you know, I'm not much of a, I don't wager, you know, certainly not on FCS football. <laughs> you don't? Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, but, you know, eight, yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. Okay. We'll, we'll see what it is once we get closer to Saturday. But, yeah. When the, the But real uh, I, I don't, it probably won't fluctuate too much, I wouldn't
0: think. Yeah, I doubt there's that many people been on FCS to move the lines anyway, but yeah. You know, always fun to look at, right? For awesome. sure. Well, hey, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, hang out with us today, and uh, can't wait for Saturday. And you know, we we uh, always enjoy your coverage and reading uh, your articles every day of the week on the cats. And so we like like we said that we appreciate you coming on here. Yeah,
2: thanks. Appreciate you guys. All right.
0: All right, once again, thank you to Greg Rokosch of the Billings Gazette and 406mtsports.com. It's a mouthful, but a great site to get a lot of the Montana sports news that you need. We always appreciate him coming on. And right now we're going to get to our next segment, which is Montana Parlay with the original and still the best gambling advice when it comes to the FCS in the state of Montana, no matter what anybody else says. (music)
3: Welcome to week two of Parlay's Picks. I'm Montana Parlay. Last week we went one and one, but ended up in the black. We are currently plus seven minties for the year. Northern Arizona won easily while the early field goals and a conservative game plan by Cal doomed the over in my second pick. The Grizz start the season one and zero against the spread with their easy cover and win against South Dakota, while the Bobcats dropped to 0-1 against the spread with their 45-10 loss to Texas Tech. This week, the Bobcats host the game of the week in the FCS as Simo comes to town and MSU are 6.5 point favorites. I had mild interest in SEMO when the spread opened at 8.5, but now it's in a range that I'm not too comfortable with. If you want to throw the cats into a six point teaser with your favorite NFL line of the weekend, that might be the right play. On to my picks. The Grizz looked solid on the road last week and now they are home against second year FCS team, Northern Alabama. The U of M are 23 and a half point favorites against a team that has been solid so far in the FCS, having just knocked off Western Illinois. The Grizz may very well overwhelm Northern Alabama at Wah Grizz, but I want to see them successfully implement a clock-killing run game before I lay more than three touchdowns against a quality opponent. I'll bet 11 Minties to win 10 on Northern Alabama to cover the spread. In my second pick, I will do my best to avoid the overreaction syndrome that plagues so many gamblers in the first few weeks. I'm picking Cal Poly plus 14.5 points versus Weber State. This is less about how Cal Poly looked impressive against lowly San Diego and more about how Weber has not been able to score points in the last few games they've played. Weber wins big for them by 7 to 13 points. I'm putting 11 minties on Cal Poly to win 10. That'll do it this week. Good luck to all you gamblers out there.
0: Thanks to Montana Parlay again. The best gambling advice in the state by any entity. The best. On Twitter or otherwise. By every measure. (laughs) By every measure. And nobody is copying anybody except anybody that tries to do it after us. Exactly. But but thank you, Montana Parlay. We always appreciate that. A very entertaining segment, whether you're winning money or not. So right now we're going to go around the big sky. So we have games that start on Thursday, go through Saturday. So another nice little... Three day weekend of FCS or Big Sky football. At least we're not going to talk about the shitty games. The you know the Western colorados at Idaho State or the Linden Woods at Eastern Washington. None of those games. But the only Division two game that we are going to talk about is a university near and dear to my co host Bear Tycoon's heart, and that is Simon Fraser, who is at Portland State this weekend. Or, or Bear Tycoon, tell me why why you like Simon Fraser so much. I just I just love him. I just love him. I. We
1: got into this a little bit on Big Sky Big Takes, but just to recap, Simon Fraser located in British Columbia, Canada, the only NCAA uh, uh, school located in our neighbor to the north. They have an other school in British Columbia that plays football. Um, the name that I forget, it doesn't matter, but you just need to know Simon Fraser plays them every year and they switch stadiums every year. Uh, you know, who hosts it. And if they're playing in Simon Fraser, it's American League rules. If they're playing in the other Canadian school in their province, it's Canadian League rules. It's, to me, a really cool tradition. Also, it's pretty unique. Yeah. Also, they have a mascot, which is Google Simon Fraser mascot. It's a, it's a big cartoon
0: terrier dog wearing a kilt. It's, do you know the dog's name? I don't. Do you? Mick, yeah, I do actually. What Mick Fogg. The dog (laughs) I mean, it's It's a little Irish twist in Canada, I guess. Yeah, it's great. They they just knock it out of the park. Look,
1: no, Simon Fraser is never going to be a powerhouse in anything um, besides maybe engineering,
0: I'm guessing. But why? Why do you guess that? It sounds like an engineering school, but they. So you're just going straight off the name. Yeah, straight off the name. But I was thinking liberal arts, like he was a
1: poet or something. Oh, that could be. Um, I haven't looked into it too much. But the athletic program, you just have to have little quirks to be interesting. Simon Fraser has them in bundles, so I've been very. I discovered these guys a couple years ago. I'm so happy they're playing someone in the Big Sky, and uh, I will not be watching the game, but I will be uh, probably tweeting out facts about Simon Fraser throughout the game.
0: If you could find that game to watch it, and it took me that long to find the Montana State Texas Tech game last or last weekend, I'd be pissed. It's on Pluto TV. Oh, that's so fantastic! Yeah, that just proves every one of my points about the big yeah, sky. And God, that's <laughs> oh, that's that's unbelievable, actually. So we have uh, that's the only Division two game we're going to talk about because, like I said, Bear Tycoon adores Simon Fraser. Adores, borderline obsessed yeah. with the athletic department. Again, he doesn't know anything about its uh, academics, uh, anything like that. But when it comes to Simon Fraser and athletics, Bear Tycoon is the number one source for that. You know, in the state of Montana by far. Yes. Maybe in the lower 50. Yes, for sure. For sure. Lower, 40, lower 50. We're counting Puerto Rico and. Mexico. Anyway, so Mexico, yes. Um, so. Like we said, we're ignoring every other D2 game. We don't really need to talk about the play-up games, the FCS, FBS games. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. Unless you have something else to say, you can always interrupt me. But we have some pretty good intra-FCS games this week. Uh, We have Southern Utah at Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa coming off a near upset of uh, Iowa State, I believe. And that game is on ESPN3. So, once again, a game that you can find very easily, watch without trying to go to Reddit. We have UC Davis at San Diego. This San Diego squad made Cal Poly look like the air raid offense of the Big Sky Conference, which is saying something. We have Cal Poly at Weber State. We have Southeast Missouri State at Montana State. We have Northern Alabama at Montana. And that does it for our intra-FCS games this week. Which one? And I think this is the week that we don't even say we can't pick Montana or Montana State for the game that we're watching because we know that they're the – Premier games this week.
1: Yeah, they're 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 the premier games, but the, the cat game is obviously the better game. You guys are going to win, but it's also, there's so much on the line for you and Jeff Choate's legacy. But also for the season, this is a, it's not a must win, but it is an important win for a narrative perspective. If you don't win, it would be a disaster. Um, and it's a true test, right? Like this is, you're not going up to play like a North Dakota State. This is a team that is on par with you guys. You have a home field advantage. This is a game that if Montana State is a solid program, they should win. Um, but I'm looking for that. We've already touched on it, so let's move to. A couple. You know what I
0: noticed, but you know what I noticed? You just did there, and it's the same thing I did last week. Is that you go Montana State's going to win this game when you talk to me now? Yeah. And then next week, if, and so you you're definitely hedging your bets because next week, if they when we're on this podcast and they don't win, God knows the shit that I'm going to get from you for that loss. But it was just like I did last week. I picked Montana plus five and a half to beat South Dakota. And so I can always come back and say, dude, they were, they were definitely going to beat them. But if they would have lost, I would have been giving you shit this week for sure. Yeah, well, I mean. That's what we do. That's what we do. We just I, hedge our bets. So we always, uh, you know.
1: Well, but I content. mean, if, if I'm saying that Montana State should win this game and is going to win this game and then they lose, that's an embarrassment to Montana State. And not to you, even though you called it wrong. Sure, no,
0: I'm. That's what I mean. That's, oh it's yeah, a no, great way to I do see, it. I it's see, a yeah. great talking head way to do it.
1: Yeah, no, my ego, I'll <laughs> happily admit when I'm wrong, because um, it'll be offset by the joy of seeing the Bobcats. Exactly. Um, but we've we've hammered these games into the ground. The the couple games around the league that 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 is exciting to watch. Um, to me, the the number one kind of inner FCS game is Cal Poly at Weber State. You know, definitely small sample the number size. one biggest guy offense exactly no I guess small sample <laughs> size but it is it's the number one uh offense besides i guess sacramento state um going against the number one defense the only team to allow zero points besides idaho state on their bye week um you know cal poly i think no i don't know if we were anyone was shocked that they beat san diego but I think people were shocked at the numbers that they put up the way how, they did it and how they beat them. So
0: definitely, you know,
1: this, this is a game where there's a little, little heat behind Cal Poly right now, a little momentum. Um, and this is great, great opportunity,
0: opportunity for them to try to prove something. The one thing is you have to think that San Diego went into that game thinking we have to stop the run. They probably thought Joe pro throw was there for year nine. Yep and then all of a sudden Cal Poly's quarterback comes out throws three touchdowns in the second quarter and they're like what the hell is happening they didn't game plan for that Cal Weaver State has some tape as they like to say it's not going to happen again i think Weaver State absolutely kills them but if Cal Poly shows some uh you know a little friskiness they, they they hang around with Weber. you know yeah. they may be they may be that uh, upper middle of the uh of the big sky i think we like i said i think Weber wins but Cal Poly could really um, make us guys look like idiots from our preseason polls and everything. Uh, if they keep it closer, beat Weber. I mean, that'd be amazing, but. Yeah. I'm trying to find the, the line
1: in this game. Um,
0: good. This is good podcast. Yeah, right
1: good podcast. All right. Weber state is favored by more <laughs> than two touchdowns, 14 and a half points. Um, I don't know. That seems about right. I'm not super high on Cal Poly. I think. Right. It's a question
0: right now. If, Lightning in a bottle, kind of. Yeah. Last if
1: they, week. Well, if they're a bottom-tier team. San tier Diego San Diego's a,
0: a dog shit team.
1: Middle tier team. Yeah. San Diego is. I get talked into them every year just because, like, oh, they're usually a playoff team. Um, but it's because they win their shitty conference. They are. Their non
0: scholarly conference. Yeah.
1: They are, in terms of rankings, closer to uh, Northern Colorado than they are Quit looking other.
0: at the Sagarin ratings, please.
1: Yes. They are.
0: 202. They're not good. <laughs> We've already. We've already debunked the Sagarin ratings as fake news.
1: <laughs> well, we will we will see. but uh, yeah, it's it'll be a fun game to watch. The other one, I am.
0: Uh, Tell me you're googling the UC Davis line as we speak. No, I, I have it pulled up. But um, okay, that <laughs>
1: should be uh, UC Davis. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not looking forward to that game. Um, but I'm interested to see Southern Utah at Northern Iowa. It should be a blowout. You know, Northern Iowa usually fairly tough Southern Utah has had
0: a well, Northern Iowa almost beat Iowa state. Yeah. Um, a ranked Iowa state team.
1: Yeah. But I, I don't know. I feel like the big sky conference has success against them for whatever reason. Um, so I'll, I'll be watching that, but really the, the standout game besides the the two Montana schools is Cal Poly at Weaver.
0: Yeah. And one thing I do want to see, um, is UC Davis. I, I like watching them play. They're fun to watch. And Jake, uh, Jake Mayer, Meyer, and everybody. Uh, I wish they still had Keelan Doss. He was fun to watch. But yeah. UC Davis is a He's great 17- on Hard Knocks. Have you seen him on Hard Knocks? He was great on Hard Knocks. Yeah. He got cut. Yeah. Spoiler. He got cut. So Spoiler. <laughs> if you're recording Hard Knocks from two weeks ago. But uh, UC Davis is a 17-point favorite down in San Diego. I almost want to take that UC Davis minus 17. I think they're going to absolutely kill San Diego. If, if Cal Poly did what they did offensively and their running quarterback was able to throw for what he did, Jake Marimire is going to absolutely dice up San Diego. So that one I want to watch just to see how bad Davis can kill San Diego.
1: Yeah, I'll be watching that. That's the one game on the on the
0: schedule this week where there is no TV or digital streaming listed. The only You're probably man. not gonna. Well, you, the funny, the thing about Reddit last week was that I was watching for a split second, or maybe like a little five minutes because I was bored. Was like, um, who was it? Lehigh and Saint Francis, okay, of Pennsylvania. So that was on Reddit. I found that on Reddit. You may be able to find that game on Reddit. Yeah, if, if there's which is, a TV, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, if there's a TV stream
1: of it. You know, if there's a TV broadcast of it, I think it'll probably end up on on
0: Reddit. So, um, but just I be careful, say, everybody over 35. Be careful getting on Reddit. Yes, it is. It, it is. Use it. a Mac. Use a MacBook. Put your pop up blockers on and stop clicking everything that flashes. Don't don't click anything. Click the link. You have to click the play button. The play button, and that's it. And then you are gonna get a pop up. The Del- X out of it as quick as possible. Yep. You didn't win it. You didn't win any prizes. You don't need to download Flash. Is this Just also a message to your dad on his walk? Exactly, Dad. Don't get on Reddit. Just in
1: general, please. <laughs> um, the other game I, I'm interested in: non-FCS on FCS, but uh, Northern Arizona at Arizona. Yeah, um, that that one's interesting, actually. Yeah, it should be an Arizona win. I'm not expecting NAU to win, uh, but I. am they look so good for a stretch last week. I think they scored four straight touch four possessions with
0: touchdowns. Um who threw them? Cookus,
1: our boy. Yeah. Our
0: boy Casey Do you think do you think we could ever like uh you know DM him and try and get him on the podcast? Totally.
1: Oh yeah. I think we should. Yeah. I I'm 100% in on that. Um, well, but they that is a game where I'm interested just to see if they can move the ball.
0: Yeah, and uh, Arizona, not strong. It's not looking like right. It's not strong. It's looking right now. They lost to Hawaii. Uh, I'm in that opening, what was that, a Thursday game, I think. Yep. Um, so Arizona's not this bastion of the Pac-12. They're not an upper tier by any means. Northern Arizona could go in there and give them a little scare. With Case as anything is possible. Yes, totally. That's how I look at it yep. anyway.
1: So let's see. I so, know that Northern Arizona is out uh, without Anthony Sweeney it kind of a crazy who's one of their D backs in a, in a right at the beginning of the game, he got called for a targeting call, but also injured himself. Um, so he's going to be out for a few weeks. He was ejected from the game while he was also like escorted out of the game for, for being injured. But we had a chance to talk with him in Spokane. He's a super nice guy. Uh, and he has a very bright future in front of him. And the, the play, the targeting call was not a dirty call. It wasn't a dirty play at all. Um, so just, you know, wishing him the best of luck as he as he bounces back and we want to see him for
0: the for the conference schedule. Definitely. And so a pretty good slate of games. I know we have like we said we do have four of those D two games. It kinda of takes the wind out of the sails when you're looking at your, you know, ESPN app trying to keep track of the big side conference and where everybody's at. But we do have a pretty good slate of games that might that are definitely gonna tell us where some teams are at a little earlier than others. So it should be a really, really fun Saturday. Um, you know, we got a, a pretty good staggering of games, too, which is nice. Um, Montana State and Montana are both under the lights, which will put a strain on some TVs. You know, a lot of people are going to be following those games from the state, from the different stadiums, uh, yep. you know, trying to check out the Grizz score from, from Bobcat Stadium and vice versa. But, you know, you can start out your day with, you know, Southern Utah, Northern Iowa – Then kind of click over to UC Davis, San Diego, that Kyle Polly Webers at the same time, Montana State. And then an hour later, Northern Alabama, Montana. So just an awesome afternoon of FCS football and Big Sky football um, coming up this weekend. So I'm pretty damn excited. Yeah, me too. Can't wait. All right, so that is enough about the Big Sky. And we are getting down to that point where we have one segment left. And it's our watch party. Yeah, our favorite segment. You want me so to, I'm going yeah. to start this one out. Right, right. You, you do. It. You, you've earned it. Because we're, we're going to cue the Peanuts music. Okay. My boy, Mr. Alex Singleton, in one of the worst moves that the Philadelphia Eagles have ever made. First. Cut Alex Singleton in the last round of cuts last week after we had uh, recorded our podcast. So we are wishing him well. We were thinking about DMing the Eagles, telling him, don't cut him. They do cut him. He did land on his feet, obviously. He's the super positive guy. He's been through a lot of this before. Um, after he came out of Montana State, a ton of tryouts. He got signed to some practice teams and then cut. He did re-sign with the Philadelphia Eagles practice team, so I can't talk too much shit about the Eagles yet because he is still a part of their organization. But I swear to God, if they ever cut him or they don't bring him up to the show, they, they're they going to hear from me, yeah. Bear Tycoon. Yeah, no, I'm going to write a letter. It. it Yeah, it's,
1: what a dumb move. He had
0: a great, he had a great preseason. Great preseason. He
1: did everything that they wanted, you know, that they brought him down to do. You bring him down. Special teams, yeah. All over the field. He looked great. Uh, I don't know. What more do you want out of the guy? So, practice squad, I have no doubt that he is going to uh, hustle and dominate the practice squad. I hope he injures a couple of his teammates during practice, but... Yeah. Look, I'm not even waiting for the Eagles to to call him up. I'm calling it right now. There's a curse from us, from from our boy Alex. Curse on the team. They're not going anywhere this year. Heard it here first.
0: They're going nowhere. Nowhere. And they did this to themselves.
1: They did to themselves. They did this
0: to themselves.
1: Yeah. Shot themselves in the foot for no reason. Just give our guy a chance.
0: We love our boy Alex. We our hope, and season in, season. in all seriousness, <laughs> regular season, and in all seriousness, we love Alex. We hope he does great on the practice squad. We do hope he gets that call up if another team, you know, decides they need an amazing linebacker, that you know, or a special teams player. They they get a hold of the Eagles and, and get him off that practice squad. But uh, nothing but love for Alex, and we hope that uh, he does a, a does a great job there.
1: Yeah, and moving on to the next watch party, uh, kind of a good news or bad news? Good news. Uh, with our boy Brock Osweiler. So, he had to make the Colts roster. We got, you know, we got him in the door. We, we talked. We did what we could. We did what we could. On our end, we got him in the door in Indianapolis uh, for the job interview. He did not close the deal. Super disappointing. Uh, it's also kind of weird when he, there's not a lot, there's news when someone gets brought in to a team and then no news if like, they don't get a contract. So, Trying to figure out what happened. It's just a lot of articles from last week saying the Colts brought him in. He obviously is not on the roster or any roster in the NFL, which has started some uh, uh, chatter on the Osweiler Twitter spheres uh, that maybe he's headed to the XFL. And I'll tell you what, I'm happy. I'll
0: happily be we, an XFL we, guy. We need that for content. Yes, happily. Like be we an can't. XFL guy. When when you're a third or a quarter of our watch party. And nothing happens to you that week. Like we, we Google search you and come up with nothing. Nothing. It kind of screws up the latter part of our programming. So we just appreciate if someone would like just do anything with Brock Osweiler, like a scandal. Um, Maybe he's seen out in Beverly Hills doing something risky. I don't know. Something Something. we need content. Yeah. Something. We have
1: lots of Google alerts set up in case anything happens, but We'll be closely watching injuries in the NFL. We obviously don't want any injuries, um, but there's a silver lining to everything. So if, if someone goes down that opens up another door for our boy Brock, we will be there, uh, uh, you know, standing in line with them, resume in hand, trying to get him a job. <laughs> uh, but if he does go to the XFL, I'm excited to preemptively announce that we will be the official Montana based podcast of the XFL. So exciting news either way. Rock in the XFL, NFL. We're, we're going to be there with him.
0: We'll be there no matter what. Yeah. So speaking of lacking content, we move to our next watch party. <laughs> Josh Eustace, did you know he hit a game winner over, uh, over his alma mater, Stanford? Yeah. Old news. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did see something, though. Oh. Uh, did you go on his Instagram or something? little creep? No, little I creep I, I looked up his team. See how they're Bayern dealing. FC named after the beer, I believe. Yep. FC Bayern. Right.
1: Yep. And they played a game against the Shanghai sharks. They're going on tour, played the Shanghai sharks, beat them 102 to 64. Now there's no box score available, but I think it's probably safe to assume Josh scored somewhere between 70 and 80 points. Uh, so hats off to him for a great game. Great
0: job! That's an awesome game for great Josh. Great game. Looking
1: forward to the Euro League uh, starting up and them posting the box scores to what Josh is
0: doing. Because uh, again, we need content.
1: Yeah. So then the last watch party, a new edition. A new edition. A new edition of the party. It's getting crowded in here, Uh, and it's a joint <laughs> entry between Bob Stitt and Gresh Jensen. Uh, Our boys they do everything together. Our boys at Texas t- uh, State had a had a pretty flat weekend. Um, they got beat handedly by uh, Texas A&M. Gress Jensen had an up-and-down day. He did not get the starting job. Uh, well, Let's say he had a down-up-down down day, did not get a starting job, but he came in late in the first half because the starter was not doing well. Um, but then he had <laughs> pretty pedestrian numbers, 160 yards, one touchdown, 200 interceptions after the game, the head coach. 200 interceptions? Two, two interceptions. Oh, shit, um, I was going to say two interceptions the head coach was not Bob Stit uh I confusingly thought Bob Stit was coaching at Texas State uh, he's opposite he's, he's opposite offensive coordinator, coordinator right yeah but I, I was just jarred when I saw this other coach's name um but he said that both <laughs> QBs did just about the same so no clarity on if Gresh is going to be starting when they go to Wyoming uh for week 2 but that's where they are uh the you know heads up though for the for the Bobcat fans the Texas State Bobcat fans the one true Bobcat fans uh, that loss is not that big of a deal. It is, it was in terms of our boys' Sagrin ratings, which we need to oh, cut back on Jesus references. Jesus <laughs> I, I only ref, I only did research on a couple websites tonight, um, but the the difference between their schools was 145 uh, spots in the rankings, which, for perspective, Montana State, Texas Tech, 114 points. So uh, it's about you know best similar outcomes, similar differences, Texas state, even though you're an FBS school, you're not a good one. Um, so not surprising that they got, got blown out.
0: No, not surprising. They got blown out. Um, you know, Gresh could have come to Montana state. I think he could have gone to Idaho state as well. He had offers from both those schools uh, chose a different Bobcats and you reap what you sow and you know, 5.2 average per throw against Texas A&M two interceptions and a touchdown, you know, You could be starting the game this weekend under the lights at Bobcat Stadium, but instead uh, you're probably going to be on the bench down uh, in Wyoming. Maybe I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter though. Not bitter. Yeah. No, but um, (laughs) so that's our watch party. Do you want to hear a little a fun story about a person that just got cut though from uh, an NFL team? Sure. So uh, Luke Wilson, the tight end for the well former tight end for the Oakland Raiders, he just got cut. uh, Actually, on a pretty awesome episode of hard knocks where he wore a pardon my take shirt as he got cut. Yeah. Love it. So yeah, was pretty cool. So Luke is just an amazing character, but he, uh, he was on the Seahawks for a while. Who's my favorite NFL team. I was out in Seattle one weekend for our annual trip out there with the guys to go to a Seahawks game. We're at a bar on Friday night in Seattle that obviously they're playing Sunday. And uh, this massive dude walks into the bar. And you can tell it's Luke Wilson right away. The hair, like just the, the face, the nose. It's Luke Wilson, the football player. The nose doesn't really help when you're talking about the actor and the football player. But Luke Wilson walks in. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's Luke Wilson. So I go and kind of back up a little bit and accidentally like barely bump into him just so I can say what's up. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, hey, sorry, man. I didn't mean to do that. What's up? And he was super nice. and I didn't say like, hey, what's up, Luke, or anything like that. But I thought I was pretty cool. I got a picture with him with his back turned to me. That's my kind of claim to fame. <laughs> but the worst, the worst and most embarrassing part is we get up to the bar, and I kind of sneak in, standing next to him. This dude's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and uh, the bartender kind of looks around, skips over me, skips over everybody else at the bar who's you know average height, goes right to Luke Wilson, gets him his drink, and I turn over to Luke and I go, it must be nice being tall. And he turns and he looks at me, grabs his drinks with this disgust on his face, yeah. and just walks away from me. It should be. That's
1: humiliating. What a dumb thing to say.
0: What a horrible thing to say. I was a little bit starstruck. <laughs> I'd had a couple pops in me. <laughs> that was my chance to meet Luke Wilson, who was a from everything I hear is like the nicest guy in the world. And that's how I started out yeah, my conversation out. with Luke this Wilson. Is, this is a really friend
1: of you and NFL players. I think, uh, I think we're going to have a <laughs> tough time getting Alex on the podcast.
0: He's um, probably gonna have a tough time coming back on. Yeah. But although I haven't said anything stupid to him while in this little NFL phase I've been in, cause we haven't talked since, uh, he went to the league. Yeah. But he has social media. So he knows. So that's my story about a guy getting cut. Good work. That's a good note to end on. Thank you, thank you. So that is that is our show this week. Another fun one, another long one. We're just so excited to have football back. We can't say that enough. Great slate of games this weekend. We cannot wait to get back together and do all this over next week, especially after a couple pretty big-time games with the Cats and the Grizz. So any last words from you, Mr. Tycoon? No, Let's. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Oh, one last thing. Oh.
1: One last thing. Oh. Forgot to do it last week, doing it this week. Thanks to our, our guys and gal at uh, Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs for, oh, playing, for us sure. and playing us out.
0: They are the best. They are the best. And uh, a new album came out in the off season. Yeah, check it out. So check it out. And uh, yeah, once again, have a great week unless Roar, Roar, Bear Tycoon has anything else to say. That's it. All right, that's it. Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs will play us out. See you guys.